welcome to our midweek service. We are grateful you've joined us today, and we look forward to spending some time, just a few moments, in the Word of God. I just want to say to you, welcome also to the month of April. What an awesome time we are experiencing. We have now completed the first quarter of this calendar year. We have now entered into this month of April, and as we have looked and we peeked into the second quarter, we are seeing, I mean, birds are singing louder than ever, trees are swaying in the wind, the flowers are blooming and just coming into their full color. What a wonderful, wonderful time of year it is indeed. The month of April, remember, it is a month where the spring begins to spring forth from within, first of all, and then in our beautiful atmosphere and the nature just singing the praises of God. So I really look forward to this month every year. It's an awesome time for all humankind. I think that everyone enjoys the month of April like no other. Nonetheless, let's move in. I want to take some time and take a look at the verse here in First Chronicles chapter 21. Turn there with me, if you will. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 12. I think that we're going to have an awesome time this evening. We're going to treat the scripture just a little bit. Won't be long, but it will be what? Impactful, right? First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 12. The Bible says, either three years of famine or three years to be destroyed before your foes, while that the sword of your enemies overtake you, or Three days, the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel. Now, therefore, advise yourself. In other words, let me know what word I shall bring again to him that what sent me. I want to spend some time this evening talking about what? Seeing the code. Seeing the code. Here we go. Let's spend some time in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your mercy and for your love. We thank you, dear Lord, for your awesomeness, your kindness, your goodness. Lord, we ask now that you'll speak to us this evening. Help us, dear Lord, to get a great understanding of your love and, and be brought, dear Lord, into a deeper understanding of the mystery, dear God, of salvation. We appreciate, dear Lord, all the goodness that you bestowed upon our lives. And we ask now, dear God, that you will speak to us as never before. Clearly, dear Lord, move, dear God, I beg you, anything that is unlike you out of our lives, dear Lord, out of our sight, dear God, strengthen our connections to the broadband connection, dear Lord, the Wi-Fi connection, dear Father, cellular data, whatever it may be, strengthen that, dear God, that we may hear your word, hear you, dear Father, loud and clear. Abide, dear God, I pray in Jesus' name we ask these things, amen and amen. Now, a little bit of a backdrop. As we look at First Chronicles chapter 21, what happens is David, the Bible says, is tempted by Satan, right? He is tempted by Satan to go out and number the children of Israel. This is something that God had already given a great proclamation, shall not be done. The direction was, you shall not number my people, right? David tells his, um, his commander there, Joab, he says, um, go out. And I want you to number all the children of Israel. And Joab says, well, hold on, king. Don't think it's a good idea. We were told not to do that. And David presses him and says, no, go out and do it. Joab is upset, but he goes out according to the king's command, and he numbers all these children of Israel with the exception of who? The tribe of Levi and the tribe of Benjamin. So the numbers that David gets are somewhat inaccurate. He comes back with 1.1 million in one instance. And he says that a tribe of Judah um, coming in at 470,000. So here's how many people we have. 1.1 million and another 470,000 with the exception of Levi and Benjamin. David has no idea that Levi and Benjamin have been left out. And so Joab reports that number. He's bothered by the command of David. And David now is now pricked in his heart. He is messed up because now the seer or the prophet of the Lord, Gad, has come by to tell David, David, you messed up. You shouldn't have done it. And because you did it, 
Now here's a punishment. I need God says that um, David must choose from one of these three levels of punishment. Now, anyone out there who's been punished before and you've been given a choice as to you know, how you can choose your own punishment, it is a tough thing. Is it a difficult thing? But tonight we're going to spend some time looking at the code. There is a cheat sheet or a code sheet that you can use when being presented with information like this. The Bible says that David was presented with three options, right? And God said to him, God has given us these three options to give to you. And David, you have to choose one of these three. The first one, three years of famine, no food growing, no crops. Uh, I mean, everything is dried up. Typically, the famine accompanies with a drought, right? So there's no water, no irrigation system, no, no crops, no food. And so three years of going without food, that's a three years of famine, first of all, right? The second option, you will fall for three months at the sword of your enemy into the hands of your foes, right? And that will just take three months, 90 days. Some of us, probationary period at work. The third one is three days at the sword of the Lord, even pestilence upon the land. The Bible says all throughout the coast of Israel. This is tough. Again, I want to give it to you. Three years of famine. Three years of your enemy conquering you or three years in the hands of the Lord. And those three years in the hands of the Lord will result in great pestilence falling all throughout the land of Judah. This is tough, but it's almost as though David, without hesitation, sees the code and he cracks the code. And when he sees the code and cracks the code, he's able to give a response. Now, here's what gets me, right? I'll tell you this. Um, when David responds to Gad in verse 13, he says, I'm in great distress or, and I'm in, I'm in a great strait. I mean, I'm, I'm messed up. I messed up very, very, um, terribly. And so here I am Gad, and I'm not sure, uh, what, what most people would do, but I have an answer because I see the code as you presented it to me one by one, as I was listening to you intently and very closely, as you were breaking down famine three years, as you were breaking down in your enemy's hands three months, as you were breaking down into the Lord's hand, this pestilence for three days. Gad, it occurred to me and I saw the code crystal clear. I want you to understand, this is the same David that used to appear before King Saul. King Saul had a demonic spirit. While he had a demonic spirit, David was called upon to play his harp. Woo, watch this now. While he's playing his harp, while he's playing his instrument, the Bible says he was able to tame the most demonic spirit that had possessed Saul. You gotta get this. What am I talking about? A songwriter said, is that David was able to find a note that no man could really find on their own. You got to get this. And so there is a secret note, the songwriter says, right, that David was able to find. I believe, I believe, I believe that David was so in tune with the Holy Spirit, so in tune with God, so locked in with God's uh, uh, precepts and, and, and understanding God's providence, that David was able to play a note that the devil could not contend with. You got to get, you got to get, you got to get, you got to get, you got to get. Now, 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 what do I mean? What I mean? What I mean? I don't mean the note that the devil does not, was not able to contend with solely. I'm talking about about a note that God enjoyed so much that the presence of God overshadowed. The presence of God showed up. The Almighty was there. And because of the glory of God, the devil had to flee, had to be suppressed. There is many of us right now. There are many of us who are going through some things that it would do us good to find a note that makes God show up in our lives. So that the difficulty, the adversity, the controversy that we're experiencing would have to shut down because God showed up. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So the next time someone's bothering you, if you can find the right note to cause the Holy Spirit to show up, if you can find the right note to make God tap his feet, if you can find the right note to make God say yes, if you can find the right note, there's something in your praise. There has to be something in your worship that causes God to show up and causes God to say, yes, that's my child. There has to be something in your experience that draws God out, woo, yes, sir, and, and brings him into your secret place. There has to be something in your life where you can cause God to say, that's my child. Yeah, that's my girl, that's my boy. There has to be something that causes God to connect with you. Because when you find that, you have cracked the code, if you will, and you've caused God to cause all type of demonic forces, chains of circumstance to break and move out the way. It'll cause rocks to roll. It will cause uh, high places to be made, 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 made level places and, and to, to cause all crooked places to be made straight. It will cause the glory of God to come rushing down like a mighty rushing stream. And any Thing of offense, anything that causes any manner of adversity, it will have to move and be suppressed because God is in the midst. You just found a way to cause your problems to have to be under subjection, yes, to God. But you have to have a connection with him. So what does David say? David said, Gad, I messed up. I'm in a straight place. Woo, watch what he does, watch what he does, watch what he does. I'm looking at verse 13, and I love what he does here. Very interesting. David does not say, let me see, how much crops do we have in the storehouse? He does not check with the local, local market owners and see how much food they have stored up and if they can gather some things real quick while he makes his decision. He doesn't try to outwit or outsmart God, and he doesn't try to outwit the punishment. Instead, what David does, and I love it, he says, Gad, let me fall woo, into the hand of the Lord. I love it. I love it. I love it. Here's what he goes on to say. He tells Gad, he says, Gad, I messed up. I'm in a bad spot, but let me fall into the hand of the Lord. Watch what he does. Then he starts preaching for his mercy. Woo! It says, great are his mercies. Let me not fall into the hand of man. He goes on to start preaching and praising God. He has messed up. He has sinned. He has fallen. He has done things that God finds reprehensible. But at the same time, he finds time to worship. Woo! He finds time to praise. Yes, he does. He finds time to lift up the name of God. It would serve us well that when we mess up, when we slip, when we slide, when we stumble, when we fall, that we ought to find reason and, and time to praise God. Even when we're going through some difficulties, here we are, even when we're suffering some setbacks, it will serve us well to do what? Praise and lift up the name of God. He says his mercies are great, God. I don't want to fall into the hand of man. In that moment, the pestilence begins to hit. Ooh. Bible says the pestilence begins to hit. While the pestilence is hitting, I almost forget this. The Bible says that there are 70,000 that fall dead as a result of David's sin. I want to say this very quickly. I'm going to move through. I'm going to move through. I'm going to move through. We have to be careful as leaders. I'm not talking about leaders in the church or leaders of, uh, of government. I'm talking about leaders in the home. We have to be careful and understand that every action by us impacts those who rely on us. Mm. 
one man's act, sending out Joab to go with number and his commanders. And as a result, 70,000 people dropped dead. Let me share this with you. And this is one of the most powerful things. Oftentimes, as we look at this particular scripture, it would appear or seem to us that David is the one who jumps up and intercedes on behalf of Israel in order to get God to stop. That's not what the Bible teaches though. David saw the code. David saw the code. When he saw the code, he realized it's better to fall into the hands of God than into the hands of man. And he does something that's powerful. He proclaims God's mercy before God gets started with the punishment. Watch me now. Before the result of our sin becomes uh, um, executed or goes into effect, God is praised for his mercy before the retribute, before the consequences, before the thing that we did uh, causes the consequence and the result of what we're going through. You have to understand God's mercy. Before that thing comes upon you, before that thing befalls you, you have to acknowledge and lift up what? God's mercy. So before you go through your difficulty, before you start experiencing the pain, before you start tasting the anguish and the bitterness of the cup that you are poor people, you have to acknowledge that what? God is full of mercy. The Bible says, David says, great are his mercies. Yeah, 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 yeah. It goes on to say that 70,000 fall. And while the angel of God was there at Jerusalem, mm, he sent him there. God sent the angel to Jerusalem to now destroy the rest of the sheep. It says that God repented in that moment. He felt sorry for them. He said, I repent of the evil that's befalling them. And he said to his angel, watch me now, watch me now, watch me now. It is enough. Stop your hand. God, on his own initiative, on his own terms, says it's enough. Stop or stay your hand, angel. While he was standing there at Jerusalem. I love what the angel does. The angel does not move. The Bible says the angel stood still right by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. I want you to get this. The angel has his hand on his sword, but he stands still. And what I really love is the fact that when David saw the code with Gad, he now sees the angel. Mm. I don't know where David was at the time, but somehow he was able to make his way to be able to see the angel by the threshing floor of Ornan's house, where they were threshing wheat, he and his sons. Ornan sees the angel with a sword. His sons see the angel. His sons run off and hide. Ornan is there. And David cries out. David does not know what God has said to his angel clearly, 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 because David cries out to God. And what David does is David says, when he sees the angel of the Lord and he sees him standing, the Bible says, between the heaven and the earth, verse 16, he sees the angel stand between the heaven and the earth and his sword is drawn out over Israel. He does not know that God has already said, stop. 
But David does know that God has great mercy. Yes. And so what David does, the Bible says he's already dressed in sackcloth. He and the elders of Israel, they fall on their faces. And David now takes the initiative to cry out. He says, God, wasn't it me? Woo! Ownership. Wasn't it me? Woo! Confession. Wasn't it me, God, that commanded the people be numbered? Even me, that I'm the one that sinned, oh God, in verse 17. He says, your sheep is a good shepherd. He says, the sheep, woo, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, your sheep, they have not done anything. What have they done, God? But let your hand, I beg you, fall upon me and my father's house. Watch me, but not your people, that they should be plagued. David, three days are not over yet. But David saw the code. David recognized that had he fallen into man's hand, he could not cry out to them. But having fallen into God's hands, without even recognizing that God himself already poured out mercy and told the angel to stop, David now cries out, wasn't it me? Talking about seeing the code. What, what am I getting at? Many of us, many of us at times, we, we don't understand and recognize God's code. We, 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 we see him as being too harsh and austere. And, and so what happens is we, we push back against that. But if we could see the code of God, we would recognize that every punishment, everything that is set before us, I'm not suggesting that all punishment comes from God, don't get me wrong, but we know what we've messed up. We know the things that we've done and the consequences and the results of those things that we have done. When we see that, we oftentimes think God is just hard and he's, no, 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 look for the mercy in the punishment. What do you mean? Look for the mercy, mercy in the result of our sins and in the result of our actions. Look for the mercy in that. What do you mean? That mercy is we still have life. You still have the ability to cry out to God as David cried out and said, wasn't it me? Wasn't it me that did it? Wasn't it I, oh God? Have the burden, have the, 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 the consequence, have the result, have the punishment fall on me and my house because everyone knows as a leader, you're responsible for what happens to your home. I'm trying to figure out though, when you consider the code of David, the, or the code of God that David was able to see, where have we seen this before? And it wasn't until I saw Luke chapter 23 and verse 20 to verse 46. The Bible says a number of things have happened before. The, the, the thief on the cross has cried out and, and he's acknowledged God as being, being, being all merciful and, and almighty. And he cried and says, Lord, remember me when you, I'm coming to your kingdom. Remember. And Jesus says, today, I make you this promise. Today, I, I will remember you, right? And then he goes on, the Bible says, and then, then the, the blackness and darkness falls upon the earth for the space of three hours. And then the, the temple, the, the, the veil is rent in twain and, and testimony is made that the veil was rent without human hands from the top to the bottom. And in that moment, Jesus cries out, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. In other words, Father, into your hands, I place my breath of life. What do you mean? Because I need to get it back in about three days. So I'm putting it in your, I'm putting it in your hands for safekeeping. But can I share something with you? For years, I read this verse and I said to myself, you know what? And I, and I, and I heard the song that they used to sing. He's got the whole world. Remember that song? In his hands, 
He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And so as I had my children and, and we would have worship, uh, we were there singing. I, I would like to remix songs and, and I would get my little, you know, my little beat. And then I get my little beat and I would remix the song and I, and I remix the song and I, and I ended up remixing it. As, and I said, he's got the whole world where in his hand, he's got the whole world where in his hand, he's got the whole world where in his hand. And, and I kept doing that because I, I was teaching my children something. I said, hey, children, I want you to know and I want you to recognize that God is so powerful. God is so awesome. God is so magnificent that he doesn't have to have the whole world in his hands. He's so awesome and powerful. He can have the whole world. You and me, sister, me and you, brother, he can have it all in just one hand. And, and my God is so awesome that, that in his hand that, that the world and the galaxies can, can be held. My God is so awesome that in his hand, my, my whole family, my whole genealogy from backwards to forward and beyond can be held where? in his hand and understand as I began to break that thing down and, and talk about God's power, I, I felt justified in remixing the song and rewriting the song. I felt good about the lesson I was teaching my children about God's power, but what I missed church family, whoa, what I missed Facebook land and what I missed YouTube land is the fact that the song was written for a reason, the same way the verse was written, this way for a reason. Jesus says, into your hands. It was not about the power of things. Help me, Holy Ghost. It was about the power of his love. What do you mean? You see, when you're given something precious, when you have something valuable, you don't just take it with one hand. Ooh, you don't hear me yet. What you do is you use both hands. You cup it so. You want to make sure that you're using all of your intent, all of your energy, everything you have to hold on. And so if I may, you know, that song that says, baby, hold on to me. It, it wouldn't be good if the baby was holding on to you with one hand. You, you would want them to hold on with both hands, showing some intentionality, showing some desire that you remain, that they won't let you go. And so what Jesus was saying to his father was, father, into your hands, into your love, I'm giving you my breath of life. I'm giving it to you to hold carefully, to hold uh, uh, delicately to let me know that you're going to give it back to me. I'm not putting it in just you're dropping it in your hand. I'm putting it, asking you to hold it in your hands. And when I realized this, I had to go back to my children, back to my wife, and I had to sing that song. Sometimes that old time religion is just what you need. You need the world in his hands. He's got the whole world where in his hands, He's got you and me, sister, Webb, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. David saw the code, and he recognized that if it's in God's hands, if it's in the hands of God, that if truly you can have a relationship with God that is so, where in his hands you put all things, you've cracked the code. Because in his hands, there are great mercies. In his hands, there's great love. In his hands, ooh, it's the goodness of God. So even when you mess up, even when you backslide, 
even when we return unto our vomit. God says, in my hands, there's mercy. Even when you're suffering, no matter what you're going through, Christ on the cross says, Father, into your hands. And so today, I want you to make sure that whatever you do, whatever decisions you have to make, whatever choices are laid before you, make sure you weigh them in the hands of God. Don't weigh them in man's hands. Don't put them in the doctor's hands. Don't put them in friends' hands. Don't put them in family members' hands. No, no, no. Put them in the hands of God. Because at the end of the day, that's what God says he will use and mix in his mercy. So no matter what you're going through right now, I want to speak to families who are suffering hardships. I want to speak to families who are suffering loss and disappointment. Understanding God's hands is mercy. Put your situation in God's hands. This is not just a matter of whether you've backslidden or whether you've messed up like David did in this instance on, in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. It's a matter of whatever you're going through, your houses, put it in God's hands. Your relationships, in God's hands. Your finances, your job, your, your health, most importantly, put it in God's hands. Because in God's hands, there's great mercy. Because even if you're broken, even if you're sick, in his hands, you'll be made whole. So I want to give a, just commend you tonight, just affirm you tonight to place it in God's hands. And I want to speak to our dear sister, Brooke Jones, as you're going through this, this tough experience, just know in God's hands, he has you. He will restore you. He's healing you. And we're praying for you and with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your mercy and for your love. We thank you, dear Lord, for this moment in scripture. Thank you, dear God, for allowing us to see the code like David. Dear Lord, the code is, dear Lord, that it's better to have time in your hands because your hands are full of mercy. Even before we cry out, dear Lord, you've already poured out your mercy upon our lives. And dear Lord, your son saw it on the cross, dear God. It became abundantly clear in the thickness of night, dear Lord. In the, in the moment, dear God, of pain and agony, it became abundantly clear that in your hands, dear Lord, it's better than all sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. In your hands, dear Lord, there's love. In your hands, there is refuge. In your hand, there is healing. In your hand, dear Lord, in your hands, there is resurrection. In your hands, there is deliverance. So tonight, dear Father, today, dear Lord, we claim victory. We claim the overcoming. We claim, dear Lord, deliverance in your hands today. We ask, dear Father, that we remain in your hands, come what may, that we, dear Lord, will see abundantly, clearly, that there's great mercy, that, dear Lord, you Give us the answers before you ask the question. Fam famine, food, enemies, or God's hands? Because no matter what comes out of God's hands, as long as we are in your hands, we're in the greatest, best, saving hands that man has ever known. Pray for your healing power, dear Lord, from those same hands that cause blind to see. 
We pray for healing power, dear Lord, from those same hands that caused the crooked, dear Lord, and the hunched over to be made straight and corrected posture. We ask, dear Lord, for those same hands that caused lame to walk, dear Lord, that caused dead to rise back up. We're asking, dear Lord, for those same healing hands to reach over our dear sister Brooke. Touch her, dear Lord, I beg you. May she feel the warmth of your power from your hands, even now. Touch her mind, touch her body, touch her spirit, dear Lord. Revive her, I beg you. Restore her, I pray, that she may sing of your praises all the day. I beg you, dear Lord, now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you in advance. Amen and amen.